Every episode of The Angry Chicken is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash tack. For more of Jocelyn's content, check out jossplays.com. And if you can't get enough of Ridiculous Hat, follow him over on Twitter at Ridiculous Hat. The Angry Chicken is a production of A-Move TV. Time's up. Let's do this. You smell like a leopardome! I knew it! So hot! A podcast about Hearthstone and Battlegrounds. This is The Angry Chicken! everyone and welcome to the angry chicken i'm your host jocelyn and joining me as always is my fantastical co-host ridiculous hat hey thanks i am pretty fantastic you are <laughs> it's been it's been a day we have already been talking for six hours we've already been looking at each other for six hours because today right? is theory crafting day <laughs> and you got the day off and we got to hang out and it was a lot of fun. And now both of us have a brain made of goo. Yeah, so this is going to be an amazing show. I'm so excited for you guys to experience super tired, super mushy hat. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Uh, but before we get into it, uh, we did want to let you guys know that we have three standard bundles to give away for March of the Lich King, uh, courtesy of Blizzard. So thank you very much for gifting us those codes so we can in turn gift them to you. Uh, so all you have to do is tweet at TAC podcast over on Twitter with the hashtag foul foul to enter. So that is foul F-O-U-L. And then the second foul is F-O-W-L, but Hat also is going to go through it and make sure that there are no spelling mistakes. And even if you do make a spelling mistake, he'll grab you anyway. So foul, foul to enter. <laughs> but don't worry, because Hat, Hat's got you. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're not going to hold it to precise spelling. Don't worry. Don't worry. So yes, if you would like a standard March of the Lich King bundle, again, go on over to Twitter Tweet us at TAC Podcast and use the hashtag foul foul to enter. Uh, we wanted to say a very quick thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash TAC. We are supported by our epic patrons over there and becoming a TAC patron gives you access to our TAC Discord among other perks. So head on over like James G did this week. Thank you so much for supporting us over at patreon.com slash TAC. Okay, let's get into the news, which is basically just theory crafting. Good news, everyone. So we got a chance to actually sit down, get some hands on some death nights, which was uh, really, really fun and made me think completely differently. Like the, the, the decks that we actually got in and played as death night, I ended up enjoying them in like the opposite order to what I thought I would. Unholy ended up being my favorite and then Frost after that and Blood was my least favorite and I thought it was going to be the other way around completely. So that was kind of wild. Yeah, it's some of the things played the way we expected and some of the things didn't, which is, you know, how every theory crafting goes. But DK is it's a new class. We don't really know a lot what's going on. I think as well, Blood and, and Frost fit the vibes that we were thinking, but Unholy didn't get as much love. 
uh, in mm-hmm. the pre-release, and we played it, and it does a lot of miniony stuff very efficiently. There are a couple cards that it like really does. stood out, and then the payoff seemed big enough. I remember like looking at the cards originally and thinking like, "Oh, that doesn't really seem like much." But then when we actually got in and played with it, it seemed like we had a lot of corpses and we were spending them and doing fun things. And Corpse Bride was really good. And the and the giant that gets cheaper, like we got to play those two in the same turn, which was a wild swing turn that our opponents just couldn't deal with. And so, yeah, it was um, a lot more powerful than I thought it was going to be when I was first looking at the cards. They seemed almost underpowered because I was just like, well, why like. Okay, two tutus with reborn. Okay, but do I really want to play that in the mid port portion of the game? It turns out yes, because corpses. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Tomb Guardians in particular really, really stood out as it's giggling inventor. The corpses are basically rebated, but you get to spend them because the setup is Stitch Giant, which is the ten minute eight eight where for each corpse you spend it costs one less, and uh, with Tomb Guardians and Corpse Bride. It was very easy to spend 10 corpses pretty fast and then just get some 8-8s and make some bodies. Now, not everyone plays your game. We were playing in in a double unholy single frost deck against a no minion DH and are, you know, making some 1-1 reborn. They didn't have anything to trade with. So no one played our game and so we didn't have any corpses to spend. Uh, But there were other other games where people were playing a board-based strategy and we were able to interact pretty effectively. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, so Frost, I had fun with it. Actually, you know, all the Death Knight builds that we did, I had fun with. I think um, I was surprised the way that our Blood DK game worked out because we ended up with a lot more stuff on board than I thought we were going to. We were playing a triple blood deck and like we did play against a lot of triple bloods as well that seemed to play a lot slower but for whatever reason we just got on the board real fast no one could deal with our stuff and then we dealt way more damage faster than i thought we were supposed to and our game was over on like turn eight (laughs) which i also found quite a lot of our games one way or another like win or lose were didn't go to 10 mana um and so we also didn't see now it's theory crafting and so you know people weren't necessarily being the fun police and playing you know renathal and denathrius and and all of those things but um even then like our games weren't going to 10 mana so play denathrius all you want you're never gonna get him down (laughs) yeah it's we saw him one time and we won the game he was played against us and we Mm -hmm. played him zero times yeah none because we have dignity. <laughs> it's, it's theory crafting day. We played no Theotars. We played no Denathrius's, Denathrii, yep. Denny's. We saw one Theotar that didn't end up getting played. We were we spyomaticed it or something like that. I forget. Yeah, I think so. It was in the rogue game. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you know, I mean, theory crafting also like people are going to try new things uh, to various extents. So I am unsurprised that these things were less popular. But it also didn't feel like people were holding themselves back by any stretch because we also mm-hmm. got uh, dumpstered by some pretty aggressive stuff pretty often, and some of it was not necessarily new. Like we saw wild pond knolls and yeah. sinstone graveyards. People weren't holding back for this. Just Denny didn't feel like he was going to be a huge power outlier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one thing that ended up being 
I mean, you mentioned Wild Paul Knowles, uh, not necessarily surprisingly, but um, Concoction Rogue was really good. It seemed like every time we saw it, when we played it, uh, it just was on point. And there were a few different builds, like some people did bring like the kind of Noel, Edwin, Maestra, that kind of core with concoctions built in and some people leaned a little bit more like heavily into the concoction side of things and the deck that we played that i really liked and had a lot of fun was the si7 quest version which was basically si7 stuff with the concoction stuff and that was just a really freaking fun deck like i would play that all day every day versus playing um like the the edwin noel stuff like i didn't like that with the with the location from um nathria quite as much but uh the si7 stuff was really cool and then we actually ended up getting putricide down and permanently stealth because well not permanently stealth we didn't attack with him so he was stealth forever but he was just sitting there making us tons and tons and tons and tons of concoctions because uh as we realized in the stream you get no, a concoction as I every realized time. on the stream. You knew ahead <laughs> I was of time. Trying to be nice. As I realized, because I thought it was friendly minions only, and you yeah. corrected my play, like in most games, in that game, where I was like, oh, well, of course it doesn't trigger on enemy minions because the concoctions generate things that can kill minions. So it would be kind of silly if you could just snowball that, right? Well, he is kind of silly. He is kind of silly. <laughs> but he also kind of felt fair. Like, it felt like he had, you know, like no attack or he's got one attack for health, right? So he didn't necessarily feel overpowered. It felt like if I was actually on ladder, I would probably have some tools to potentially deal with him. And in order to like, I mean, our opponents had to put up like taunts or like when we played him, we stealth him. Like you had to do stuff to make sure he stuck. It wasn't like you just threw down this big bomb and it was there forever and impossible to deal with. He's a pretty small minion. Um, so I think it like it just it still felt fair, even though he was really good. <laughs> it's fair. Like, I don't know if it's broken. I know it's unfair. We weren't playing any kind of AOE or whatever, but it wasn't super fun to be snowballed on with the idea that I couldn't really do much about it. And you know, mm. we weren't necessarily playing most competitive decks all the time. Theory crafting, that'll happen. I don't know if it'll be a uh, power level concern, but it reminded me of Hanar of they keep playing cards over and over again, and I sit there and wait for them to win because I know I'm not winning that game. Mm. And if I yeah. try and stay in and find myself a chance... They just get to throw potions at me over and over again, like three paired potions a turn, if not more, if they have various spell reducers. Even if it's not OP, if we get to that point in the game, I feel like I should either just leave or let them do everything. I don't love that feeling, but I don't know if it's going to be a power level outlier. I don't know how often he's going to end up having stealth off a of shroud. Uh, just it did feel like a different power quality than about half the stuff we tried, which you know, mm -hmm. some of the stuff we tried, we knew was going to be a little out there, but yeah, some of the stuff we tried, we tried just because we wanted to touch all the classes. So <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that we got some putricide games like when we were coming off of Warlock or possibly off of Mage, both of which I felt thought were a little bit underpowered. Mage in particular, I was surprised because it seemed like 
with all the arcane stuff that they might be able to do some really neat things. But then we just seem to like we stalled forever. We should have died a hundred times over. But then like we just couldn't kill our opponent. And then so eventually we just died. <laughs> but we yeah. stalled. We had alibi like what? Four turns in a row? Five turns in a row? It's madness. <laughs> we, I will say, Vexilus the Legendary was bottom five, right? It's not the most fortunate draw. We were against a quest hunter, uh, and we yeah. didn't have any way to gain any life outside of a couple of, like cold cases here and there. I don't know if we had the best builds. I don't know if that's the matchup that we were looking for, but it felt pretty fragile and pretty hard to make work. And we also played the mage against a, uh, uh, Frost DK that had that found X to Vampiric Blood, so they ended up at they were Renathal and they ended up at 50 life. That's a lot of arcane bolts to put together. <laughs> it didn't so feel many. realistic. <laughs> well, but even then, like I even if you take Renathal and the uh vampiric whatever's out of the equation, um like they they still they were at 46 out of 50 health when we died. <laughs> So, like, even if you take that 20 health out of the pool, they were still at 26 health. Like, we barely touched them. <laughs> and I kind of found that in the couple of times that we, because I think, did we play two or three games as ro- or as mage? I think it was two when we couldn't justify a third one. Okay. It felt like we were on the back foot and, like, we wanted to take a turn or two to try to ship some spell damage to face, but we always ended up having to play something else to survive whatever onslaught was coming at us from the other side. So we were, you know, doing the, like, we were blizzarding or we were targeting minions with stuff that maybe could have, should have, in a better world, gone face, you know? Like, we we always seem to be reacting instead of being able to take that proactive, I'm going to kill your face now turn. It felt like just a very optimistic deck. Because it needed so much to go right. I don't know. It was a lot of cards to commit and then and you just can't play them like you have to hold them forever. Yeah, yeah it felt like we died both times with m- like three or four arcane bolts in hand. And it's like, well, if we can never find a time to play them, even when they're free, <laughs> like, yeah. maybe this isn't great. <laughs> Though I will say the casino mage, we played one casino mage game, which felt like three games in one. I don't know if it's competitive. It was super wacky. And I do think there's a chance that it could be a thing just with like we we played Guy of Lunacy. Like we discovered a spell on two, discovered two spells on three, then played a four drop that it transforms your spells and dispels that cost two more. So we ended up with zero mana, five mana spells and just like a hand of assassinates and a jar and vessels and, and whatever. I, don't, I don't forget remember. Convoke. Oh, that's <laughs> we right. We had Convoke. <laughs> the, we, play, we didn't Not even that play that. Not we ever played it, but yeah, we didn't, because the game didn't go to 10 mana. <laughs> yeah. It's, that actually yeah, felt it was kooky more fun. entertaining. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that one, I mean, I'm okay if that's not, like, super competitively viable. Like, if we don't see that in, you know, world championships, I'll be super happy because that level of crazy RNG is too much in that level of competition. But you're going to have some crazy fun times on ladder. I'm going to have some crazy fun times on ladder. I'm not even going to get mad. <laughs> Probably for the first day or two. If I start seeing only casino mages on ladder, I'm going to get mad. But <laughs> I'm probably going to be fine for now. 
It just yeah. seems so much fun. Like, I'm going to play a lot of that deck, I think, just because it's just re- kooky, crazy, fun. It's stupid fun. And uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I might just not be playing very much of Mage um, because, yeah, you kind of had the crazy randomness or the arcane that didn't quite get there. And in both those cases, they're just not as good as what Mage is already doing. And I don't want to do what Mage is already doing because I've been doing that for an expansion now. So, yeah. And there's still a lot of exploration to be done and probably some way to break it that we haven't found yet. Uh, But with the amount of armor and healing in this format, um, I just think it's hard to bank on a strategy that needs to basically draw its whole deck to do somewhere between 30 and 40. We weren't able to make it work yet uh, and only played a couple of games, but it didn't feel like it was close to working. It felt like it was close to almost working. Just initial Mm. impression, but I was expecting to enjoy Arcane in both Mage and Hunter more than I did. Uh, Hunter was okay. It was all right, but the pieces have a little bit of internal tension. <laughs> Hunter Hunter for me felt wrong. And like it, it's such a like meh deck that I don't even have it in the notes and I forgot that we played it. <laughs> yeah. Like it just it just didn't work. It didn't feel huntery and I was just like, man, I we couldn't win with it. We beat people that we came up against who played it. <laughs> so I'm just, and even then, like Language Hacker, who we who was playing it in one of our very first games that we went up against him, and he was playing it and got four Lynxes off of the like big payoff card. So four, four, fours with Rush, and we still beat him handily. <laughs> and we did get some. Like, oh, my God, top decky, crazy, ha- like hacker hates them type moments. But at the same time, like our deck had that top decking crazy moments ability. And I feel like Arcane Hunter, anytime we were drawing cards, it was like, oh, well, that doesn't help. Oh, well, that doesn't help. Oh, that's not what I need. <laughs> and that happened so often that I was just like, man, this is not the hunter that I want to play. It's. I do believe there's probably a build issue going on there because that felt harder to make work. But I will say as well, the the legendary 3-mana three 3-4 three, only buffs in deck. The 2-mana two 2-3 two, buffs in hand. I think the legendary should probably buff hand and deck. Just, yeah. it made me feel bad to have my good cards in my hand. And I don't want that. Like, I don't want the reaction to be... I'm unlucky for drawing the arcane cards in Arcane Hunter because I also drew the legendary that I'm building around an Arcane Hunter, and I didn't want to draw the cards that made me build the deck yet. It needs it's so sequence specific and makes mm-hmm. it feel like a punishment to keep Eversong Portal the four mana spell, because if I have Haldoran, the legendary, I play it and then my portal doesn't get buffed. So the deck didn't feel like it was so far over the line that, that needed to be pulled back. I bet they could crank that up a little bit, but there's probably a different build to be found of what do you do with Arcane Hunter because we were trying some pretty obvious things and they Mm. were like kind of okay. Like there were decent turns, but it didn't feel like a great deck. And I'd like for that to be... uh, I'd like for both Arcane Mage and Arcane Hunter to be a little bit more consistent, have a little bit more draw, a little bit more like some kind of payoff based on Arcane. 
Honda yeah. shot in the Hunter is okay, but that was really all we had. And a lot of the other cards just, it felt like I was working pretty hard to only make them all right. Yeah, I think that's really accurate. And I feel like uh, it, they could make a bunch of different changes to Haldoran. I mean, they could make it buff more because that was also the other thing is that when, so basically he gives um like plus one spell damage to all your arcane stuff in your deck, right? Or how is he worded? Yeah, plus one. Plus one, anyways. Plus one spell damage to all arcane spells in your deck. Yeah. So, I mean, they could make him plus two, and that's probably still fine. They could make him hit hand, which is probably fine. I wouldn't do hand and two. That's probably OP. But, like, he does feel like he should be changed somehow. And he's legendary, right? So you can run one copy of him, not a bajillion copies. So I love how the difference in my head between one and two is one or a bajillion. (laughs) But, uh, like, you can only do it once. So I feel like that's that's still kind of okay because we were doing so much work and not getting where we needed to be. So... I think that uh, that's probably one of the things that might need a buff. Uh, again, if you want Hunter to be good, if you want Hunter to just chill for an expansion, don't change anything. <laughs> yeah, it's and I am sure that someone will do something here. We were playing with the 10 new cards rule, and, and I could at yeah. least feel the potential in some of the Hunter cards, and I do feel that uh, Conjured Shot, the, the two-mana spell that deals two to a minion, mana thirst six, draw that many cards... I could see non-arcane decks playing that somehow just to draw some cards off it. And we were able to twin bow it once, double double cast it for, we drew six cards. Yeah, we, we still drew lost six cards, game. but it still didn't matter. Yeah, which I yeah. think that was what was wild to me is I was like, okay, we are doing the thing that aggro decks are normally, because that was in the more aggressive build. And we were doing the thing that aggro decks normally is supposed to be their Achilles heel, right? Is card draw. You're not supposed to be able to draw a ton of cards. We drew six cards for two mana and still couldn't win that game. <laughs> and I was just like, well, this this isn't going to work then. <laughs> you know, we should be able to draw six cards and then kill you in the next turn or two. And that just didn't happen. So, yeah, it's. I was hoping for it to work a little better, but there's opportunity for it to work better either through a better build or through changes to some of the cards. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of tweak there. Um, But we'll see. It's way too early to tell. So Arcane stuff, we weren't able to make work, but what we did see, as far as classes that got a couple things that did work, think of where Paladin landed. There were a couple pretty rad things happening, both like, the the little fast bubbles and the big dragon bubbles. We lost to both of those and then wanted to go play it and did both times and we're pretty happy we did. Yeah, Paladin is probably the most surprising class to me outside of the, you know, once I actually got my hands on the Death Knights to be able to play them and like kind of, I was surprised I ended up liking Unholy, but when you haven't played a class before, then you're bound to be surprised by one thing or another. But with Paladin, that was the most surprising to me because I didn't really give them much thought. And we were kind of surprised that they were just going down a Dragon Paladin kind of avenue this expansion. 
And we looked at it and we're like, okay, that seems pretty cool. But, you know, what, you know, are we even going to play this <laughs> in, you know, day one? And once we actually saw it in action, they just kind of have a lot of stuff. The The Dragon Pally was able to play something pretty powerful on board that uh, the four mana, is it Time Warden? Time Warden, the one that yes. Yeah, where you play uh, that and then for the, your next two or like the rest of your turn and your next turn, when you play a dragon, you give it taunt and divine shield. That was so power, even just on curve. And if you just had that and it gave one other dragon taunt and divine shield, that was enough to make it really, really good. And if you could get like, uh, I think we had one opponent, the first opponent that we saw playing Dragon Paladin played two if not three dragons with that buff and it was just like holy crap because the dragons in general are just pretty well statted minions so then when you give pretty well statted minions taunt and divine shield on top of good stats it's just like oh how do you even deal with this board as the opponent so it went a lot smoother than i thought it was going to be like it just kind of went and and worked yeah it's we saw it and were pretty impressed. Uh, and then we played it. And so Time Warden is on any dragon you summon. So the hmm. one mana spell uh, that discovers a dragon, Manather 7, make a 5-5 five, five taunt dragon. Obviously insane when it also gets Divine Shield. Crazy yeah. good. <laughs> uh, we discovered a Kazakasan. There was, uh, there like, I think we had a game where we had two, two Time Wardens. So we did Time Warden on four, Amber Watcher on five. They were both buffed by Bannerman. And then later in the game, we did on eight, Time Warden, Discover a Dragon, make a five-five, Taunty Bubbly. Uh, and then play, it was a Bronze Explorer, an Amber Whelp that deals three damage, one of those two. At, and then the next turn, we played a Kazakasan with Divine Shield and Taunt, and then got a bunch of stuff and killed her opponent. Yeah. So <laughs> it just it felt pretty powerful and then on the other hand the the small paladin with Liadrin and all the new divine shield things and holy buffs and whatever when it gets those fast starts it is hard to keep up with and there are a lot of divine shields going on noble mounts and seal of blood and all that Katori Lightblade we were able to get Katori Lightblade going one game um you know, it's you can run out of gas. There's not a lot of late game there. Either you get there or you don't. But the first game we played but it with got there pretty yeah. quick though. The first game we played with Warlock, they had turn one Knight of Anointment, turn two Seal of Blood, make it a four four Divine Shield. Turn three, I think it was Stonehearth Vindicator, then make it a four two Divine Shield with Noble Mount, and they just smacked us around, and we were dead on like turn five with a bunch of point removal that did nothing. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there was there was one game against the Paladin as well. I can't even remember what we were playing, but we had like board clear after board clear after board clear. But because of those divine shields on everything, it was just it was just so sticky. <laughs> it was just yeah. like we couldn't get it. We couldn't get them off the board. And uh, and then when they have all those buffs in hand as well, it's like if you leave anything up, then they're going to hit you in the face and hit you hard. So um, that was also quite surprising to me is that they have like a, a seemingly a pretty aggressive build that also is really difficult to clear. And that combination, I think, is going to be really powerful. I think so. Yeah, it's 
like I bet there is a way to build it where you draw a few more cards. And that definitely seems like the sort of thing where our build was pretty all in. And we tried to make the egg work a foul foul. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of decks where we tried to make the egg work. And about half the time that we either played it or saw it, it just sat there and then the person who played it lost with a 0-2 but. egg in play. <laughs> but when it worked. Yeah, and it worked in, in Paladin. Paladin was the one place, because I think we also tried it in, in Rage Warrior and a couple of other more aggressive builds. And I feel like Paladin, because of all the buffs, like that aggressive Paladin, then you're getting to a point where the eggs are actually doing something because either the egg itself is buffed or if they like kill the egg, then you get the three, three popping out of it. Right. So you were always kind of getting something and the egg was always threatening. Um, and I feel like Enraged Warrior was also um, pretty good with the egg. But anything yeah. else that we tried it in, it really it didn't it didn't kind of get there because you have to be able to either buff the egg so that it can attack and be a threat itself or you have to be able to kill the egg and make use of the the death rattle over and over again but it seemed like making use of the death rattle was too much work but buffing it whether it was uh warrior or pally that's when it seemed to kind of get there and it's so cute even when we played it on turn one and it just sat there and didn't do anything all it did was kind of wiggle its little beak that was enough that was fine that was worth <laughs> yeah it was fun and we didn't see a ton of warrior overall, but the enraged warrior felt pretty real, pretty fast. Um, egg definitely felt like it belonged. We were able to cut a lot of the cards from the last expansion that felt a little questionable. Uh, and we weren't even playing blazing power, the two mana spell that buffed, uh, like buffed a minion plus one plus one repeated for each friendly damage character. We were playing the Sunfire Smithing instead the four mana spell that made a weapon and buffed a uh, minion by plus four plus two in hand. We made a, uh, it was a base 16 attack ogre. You wanted to play it and deal 16. No. I did. No. <laughs> we played four minions instead and then dealt 19 next turn. We won that game. I think we would have won that game even if we'd played it on 16. <laughs> like, she was big enough. <laughs> You're probably right. But also... I'm fine that we waited the extra turn and then made her extra Swolgra. <laughs> yes, Swolgra. I love it. Um, Swolgra! <laughs> I don't know how well the fire cards fit in, but they felt like I wanted to play them and they felt pretty synergistic and I was happy with them in the deck. I never felt like the, the fire ones were out of place. Like yeah. I wasn't trying to work for them like some of the other things that we were trying to almost like shoehorn into existing strategies or existing decks like... You just put fire into Enrage and it works. And you weren't trying to think, oh, well, this is a new card, so I have to play it. It's like, oh, this is a good card, so I get to play it. <laughs> Different attitude. Yeah. It's, there were some decks where we justified it. We rationalized it. Yeah. <laughs> Enrage were with new cards. I'm just going to play that. I'm just going to put yeah. it on ladder. It didn't feel like we were making compromises. No, um, not at all. We didn't see any other warrior decks. It was really just enraged. Like, I had a control warrior built, but I didn't have the gumption to play it, and nobody else did <laughs> either. Um, well, I yeah. feel like right now, in this upcoming expansion, if what you want to do is play control, you probably want to go Blood Death Knight. Like, they just have so many tools. They're the new hotness. They can get so much life. 
And uh, it seems almost silly to be trying to do anything else. Like DKs are probably going to be more powerful anyways. It's a launch class, like <laughs> not not, you know, like DH levels, but still they're going to be powerful. So if what you want to do is control, you're going to be a death knight. <laughs> Sorry, warrior. <laughs> I don't know if we need to emphasize this again. Should probably do it anyways. DK didn't feel out of line. DK felt good. Did not feel out no, of line. No, it felt not good. Even a little yeah. Bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do actually want to specifically call out, we played against DKs that discovered outside of their rune configuration constantly, and it felt like a powerful thing to do, like school teacher might belong in DKs because there are a lot of very strong triple rune cards that are below, that are three mana below, Vampiric Blood, Plague Grain, Defrost, whatever. Uh, but it didn't feel like it was breaking the rules in a way that was problematic. Uh, it, it's, I think it's pretty well designed as a class. I agree. Uh, let's talk about Demon Hunter, which I know everyone's probably like, Joss, bringing up Demon Hunter voluntarily. What's going on? Uh, Demon Hunter feels like it's in a really good place now. Um, Relic Demon Hunter was something I was kind of interested in in Nathria, but that it never really felt like it got there for me. But now with the new cards from March of the Lich King, it kind of felt like it shored up that kind of early game where they struggled. And I think it's in a good spot and might see a lot of play from me, too. <laughs> yeah, it's it seemed like it was scratching a lot of itches for you. It got to draw yeah. cards. It got to control the board. It got to do cool late game stuff. I don't, what, what about it drew you in? Honestly, I'm not even sure. It just seemed to be doing things because like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just so overly sensitive to broken OP feeling Demon Hunter. And this didn't feel like that at all. It felt like uh, the things that I was doing were, were powerful, but fair. I had to build up to it, but I wasn't losing too quickly. Um, it just seemed like a lot of fun, which I haven't really vibed with Demon Hunter in that way in since release. Right. So I was like, hey, this is something that's fun to do, but I don't think people will be mad at me about. <laughs> yeah, it's it, and it definitely like the fell relic thing. Definitely feels like we were winning games pretty similarly to how that deck was trying to win before. Um, mm. but like the support tools felt different enough and the early game felt short up enough that it's, I wouldn't call it a different deck period. No, but I would say that it felt different enough. It kind of reminded me of the way that warrior worked with the fire package in that you kind of like you put scythe in. And you built the, you know, no minion stuff in and you didn't really need minions because you have your relics in your location. Uh, and so you've just got your three big kind of payoff minions, but everything else is just spells. And it really felt like that added to the deck in a way that didn't disrupt what you were trying to do anyways, but in a way that made you get to your payoff in a in a better way. <laughs> Yeah, it's and sight animation is awesome. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It just like it just felt enjoyable and cohesive. Like there wasn't a card in the deck. I'm like, this doesn't make sense here. I'm compromising to put this in. 
there were some cards that felt powerful, but some that were just like solid. But it's, I felt like I had room to make decisions about building the deck, but not that I was making choices about where do I want to be weak or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. DH, now it did feel like that was mostly the thing to do with DH. That was mostly the new thing. We tried, there was a, there was a pretty goofy, uh, big outcast, like it's, it had the outcast package, but also was big demon that we threw in just to try. And it felt better than I expected, but we did get blown out towards the end there, though there was some opportunity yeah. <laughs> for that, for the, for roles to go differently. Um, I don't know where outcast is going. Does feel like it's missing some stuff. I'm not sure if there will be other new strategies to try, but I do feel like DH players will be pretty happy with how DH Fell Relic plays. And there might be, there were a lot of people trying quest stuff. And they yes. were doing quest sinful brand where you mark a minion with the card from Nathria and then play double Faldori Warband, which deals four damage and summons four one ones with Rush. And you just target something big multiple times and then bonk into it with a bunch of one ones. And we did lose yeah, to it once. Yeah, so every time... Yeah, we did. So every time the 1-1... One, because one, I think they targeted... Um, were we... Oh, that was our Unholy Frost DK, I think we were playing. Anyways, we had an 8-8 yes. eight, eight on board. And then so they like targeted the face with the 4 damage and then ran the 4 one ones into the 8-8. Eight, eight, and they did that twice. And so all of that damage, that was like 12 damage per spell, right? Because you got the four to face and then two damage from every one one that pings the 8-8. Eight, eight, and you can ping an 8-8 eight, eight, eight times. So it just like it added up very quickly. And just all of a sudden it was like, oh, we dead though. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? It felt like we were in such a great spot. And then like one turn later, we were just gone. And I was like, oh, okay, then we'll do our fun stuff against somebody else. <laughs> it was. It was impressive and unexpected. <laughs> it feels like there might be something there. But it, DH mm-hmm. players that want to play with a lot of minions, probably going to be more of the stuff that we already had. Because the outcast stuff might fit with, like it might add a couple cards, but not a ton. Um, yeah. Let's see. What's next? We kind of moved all over the place in terms of class order. Oh, yeah, completely. Uh, we haven't talked about Shaman yet. We haven't talked about Priest yet. And Druid? Did we talk about Druid? Or Warlock? Uh, right, yeah. We we kind of mentioned Warlock that it didn't seem great, but we haven't actually gone into it. But yeah, it's Druid, Warlock, Shaman, and Priest we still have left. Warlock felt like it was missing a lot of pieces it's probably the toughest class that we tried and we tried a slower warlock deck and a faster warlock deck um yeah neither one was great although we did have the 10 like it does have the restriction obviously and we Um, were we were getting pretty ambitious with what we were trying uh amorphous slime decks and undead zoo and uh neither list felt all that cohesive and both were definitely more ambitious but the new car just felt like so much work. And yeah. I didn't like maybe something will have someone will make something better out of them. But it's I was kind of put off from even trying more. Well, I think the problem right now is that like there are so many super cool things that if you don't instantly vibe with something, then 
you're not going to necessarily try to make it work, <laughs> which I think is Hearthstone's strength right now is that, you know, and we were talking about this on stream just around the discussion about cubes, because I was saying the the slime, which, you know, it has a very similar effect to cubes. I used to hate cube warlock and I was so ready for that to to just go away. And uh, but I was really excited about slime and everyone's like, but you hated cubes. Why is this different? And it's different because at the time, cube warlock felt like the way to play Hearthstone and everyone was cubing everything and it was annoying. But now every class has at least one, if not two viable or or more (laughs) like viable ways to play competitively on ladder. So not everyone is going to be, you know, doing warlock slime things because there's so many more classes now and so many more cards and styles to play with that I I don't think I'm going to see it as often and get sick of it. Like, I think now it could be cool because it's one of, you know, 30 ways to play Hearthstone fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's play Hearthstone fun. Oh, man, guys, it's been such a long day. (laughs) I'm not even making sentence is good (laughs) so cube lock uh i didn't hate it as much as a lot of other people did but i understand that it's like i will boil it down my personal instinct here is that people don't like getting void lorded that is my feeling (laughs) that people don't like getting void lorded by turn five or multiple times a game and i'm not I'm I'm not here to say that feeling is wrong. I think that feeling is very right. Um, but you know, standard is in a different spot right now, and and being void lorded that fast is not necessarily the most pleasant thing. But still, not as much an outlier as it used to be. We have boon of the ascendant now, whatever. Um, I just like as a person that didn't mind void lording other people on occasion. <laughs> on occasion, I would void a lord or two. I wouldn't avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um. I wanted the deck to bring me a lot closer to home than it did. So, yeah. Might be other decks. However, deck that did bring me home. Shadow Priest. Mm. I went home. We went home. We got to hit people. We were not sure on the undead stuff. But I don't know about you. I was impressed and happy. Yeah, and there were a lot of people trying out Shadow Priest, and uh, it seemed to be, again, like because of the undead stuff, it was different than Shadow Priesty things we've seen in the past. Like this wasn't ping, 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 like Raza Anduin shenanigans. This was this was different because it was more like board based and fun, and didn't necessarily feel like we were straight up killing people from hand with no warning. Like we were able to do from hand damage that would kind of get us over the hump of maybe the last 10 or 15 damage that we had to do. But I feel like for an aggressive Shadow Priest deck, that would be expected. Same as Mage. Like I feel like there's some of those kind of caster classes that should be able to do that kind of damage from spells from hand. And so, but we had to get there, especially in an era of Renathal decks. Like that still means you have to deal. 25 or more damage to them somehow usually with like the undead minions on board you had to deal that much damage ahead of time so then especially if you're like used to older hearthstone where you only had 30 health like dealing 25 with minions feels super fair (laughs) and it would they only had the the 15 from hand that we had to deal because of renathal right so 
again, it feels like if you have to deal 25 before you can do, but kill people with the final swooshing of from hand damage spells, then it just, it felt more fair, I think. Uh, both, again, we saw other people trying this strategy as well, and it felt it felt good and fair, but powerful from both sides, right? Yeah, it's, you could easily beat this deck if you wanted to beat this deck. It, it's the the unfair thing. The thing that was truly unfair about the first Shadow Priest was Elusia. Especially Elusia raised dead. That was evil. Mm. Right? You would just lose your hand for multiple turns. Evil. Not okay. Can't do that. But <laughs> it's still like, it was also capable of these really, really fast draws uh, that, like, you had your, your Iron Deep Trogs, obviously, Void Touch Tenants. Wriggling Horrors was a big deal. Um... And Raise Dead really stood out to me as something that you could just completely mess people up with because whatever they killed would come back. The new one, the the Undying Allies, the your amount of spell that makes all your undead stuff reborn. First of all, people see it coming. Second of all, it's only undead minions. Um, and it's really board-centric. But we had a turn where it was Undying Allies, Arms Dealer, the new one-mana 1-2, one, whenever you summon undead, give a plus one attack. And then double Vrykul Necrolites, a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two Undead, gives its target Death Rattle, summon a 2-2 two, two Zombie with Rush. So it was Dealer, Necrolite, Necrolite, which is three minions that all got reborn, and the zombies that were on the thing that we targeted, when they pooped out, they also got plus one attack from the <laughs> Arms Dealer. It ended up being basically eight minions that were added to the board for five mana. Just really hard to deal with. And we were able to keep pressure on in a way that felt fair and fun. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, again, because minion-centric, right? Like, the pressure wasn't just damage from hand all the time. Um, so, yeah, it felt a lot more fair. And, like, our opponent had a chance to do some counterplay to deal with what we'd done. And I think that's often what makes decks feel unfair is when you don't have that interactivity, right? So Shadow Priest felt powerful and aggressive like it should as an as an aggro-based strategy, but not in a way that felt unfair. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. I also freaking loved, and we saw like multiple people, multiple classes trying, or not multiple classes, sorry. We saw multiple people doing multiple druid things with a new, a new, damn it, what's his name? (laughs) Armor guy. (laughs) Anubisep, armor guy. Um, But specifically the multiple classes part, we saw a lot of Astalore, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, but seemed to just be bonkers a lot of the time because they were, especially combining him with Bran, getting multiple copies of the of his final form, which is uh, dealing 16 damage if you get him up to the Manathurst level. So, like, Druid had a really cool combo with Anubiseth that basically, that's the, the card that gives you eight armor when Anubra you play him. Khan. Anu- oh, up. okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I looked him up. I, had um, no, I knew a noob. It's an, a noob cart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yeah, he's an eight mana seven seven, gives you eight armor as a battle cry, and any minions you play that turn cost armor instead of mana. Right. So uh, we saw some really cool like combos where they would play a whole bunch of minions and do a whole bunch of things, including... Bran and Astalor and and the Astalors that make the the payoff Astalor. We did that once um, as well. And you were basically just generating a whole bunch of armor and then 
using that armor to pay for a whole bunch of combo pieces. And it probably sounds scary and it was a little bit scary, but uh, still, I think it it's does some really cool stuff and is a combo that can like kill you all at once. But also you can play little pieces of it and kind of be a little bit more flexible depending on the matchup, which I really like. I like when combos have a bit of flexibility instead of being just like, I play this thing or I lose. <laughs> yeah, we had we played a couple games with the Astolor combo build. Um, the first game we got dumpstered by, I think it was Aggro Murloc Shaman, something like or Murloc Undead, something. It was a fast yeah. Shaman deck that <laughs> smacked us around. It was not close. Um, yeah. The second game, I think we also we played against a a shaman as well, but they had a little bit of a slower draw, and we had a faster draw mm. because I aquatic formed a wild growth on three like a champion. Um, yep, and <laughs> into guff, <laughs> into guff. Yep, uh, and we ended up we did a Nubricon into Bran Astalor, but we weren't at Mana Thirst ten. We weren't at ten crystals, so we couldn't kill them. So instead, I was able to play multiple five mana Astalors, and then we did brands we played a street sweeper the four mana two two little broom that battle cry deal two damage to all other minions we killed a lot of our own stuff but we cleared the board except for two minions we had played a seven seven and two five five Astalors, and we had four eight mana Astalors in hand on turn eight and then just played them every turn until our opponent died and we were at 27. <laughs> we just kept shooting missiles and it was good enough. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So uh, so yeah, that was kind of cool and and not something I was necessarily expecting. Uh so thoughts on shaman before we talk a little bit about signature cards and and Arthas. We played a game of big shaman. Two games actually. And one game I think we would have won if we were against anyone other than Zedlot on Fatigue Priest. Because we had a crazy draw where we played a turn five Barbaric Sorceress, the only cards in our deck, the only spells, Criminal Lineup, and From the Other Side, which is the new 10-minute spell that summons copies of minions from your hand, poops them into play, smashes into their minions, and then they all die. Um, but Criminal Lineup, you may not know this because the card was unplayable, in Nathria, where <laughs> it's an eight-mana spell with Overload 2 that makes three copies of whatever you target. And... Uh, we did that on turn six on a Talon and drew four cards. And then our hand was completely full of stuff. And we had this insane from the other side. Then our opponent played Whirlpool because Zedalot is the only person in the world playing Whirlpool on, on Theory Crafting Day. We don't beat the <laughs> Whirlpool deck, but it felt on turn nine, it felt powerful and good enough to beat decks. It felt like a Wing Commander Ikman. Yeah, I, and I mean, like, I, I'm a fan, like I've said, of board-based Hearthstone. I love playing big minions and stuff. So, like, <laughs> seeing other side actually work was kind of crazy. Um, and the other thing that we did, with that we targeted with lineup that, again, would have worked amazing if the druid didn't have starfish. <laughs> yes. Was we played uh invincible, so that is the new uh neutral minion out of March of the Lich King. Uh, it's a 5/5 five, five with a battle cry and death rattle. It has reborn. Battle cry and death rattle is give a friendly undead plus 5 plus 5 and taunt. 
So uh, we played lineup on that, got four Invincibles. And if Starfish hadn't happened, then the buff would have just jumped around from all and made a whole bunch of 10-10 or bigger tots over and over and over again. Um, and that felt super powerful as well. Again, we were up against a druid that had the um, Anubarak and Astalor combo thing going on and they had Starfish and nothing worked in our favor. But <laughs> I think against any other deck that didn't have Starfish, that would have been super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's both decks felt really cool. Like it's the if yeah. the combo that Druid has to work for involves uh, getting to eight mana and using like eight cards and the quest. Okay, fine. Listen, <laughs> yeah, you do, you Druid. We're not gonna complain. <laughs> I've been asking on multiple shows. Give us some ways to kill people, and that happened today. There were a lot of different ways that we died creatively. And that we killed people <laughs> somewhat creatively that also, like, people had to work for it. Mm -hmm. Sinful brand lethals. Quest yeah. druid lethals. Like, this is not Garot Rogue or whatever, or even, uh, this is not Kael'thas brand and Athreus. These were class-specific, build your deck around it and hope they play your game sort of wins. And I am grateful that these things are in the game. Uh, and if any of them are OP, then I'll work on it. But honestly... The things that felt most powerful were perpetual value out of concoctions. None of the combos felt super out of line. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's It was interesting and different. And also getting four Invincibles to play at once. That was, you know. Uh, like that was fun. We, we knew that there was going to be potentially a problem if they had Starfish. But, you know, we were just horsing around anyway. <sighs> well, you know what? Invincible, speaking of, I'm just going to go right past that, <laughs> uh, was a signature card. And I did want to talk about signature cards because I think everyone's going to be talking about signature cards. We've we've seen them now. We've played with them. Uh, I will say I think the art is really cool. I love being able to see the full art. I love it behind like the the text and everything else. It looks really cool. But I'm not a fan of the border. And I think the border is meant to be chunkier to look like stone to evoke the idea of gravestones which makes sense in an undead centric expansion like i get that it's thematic but i think they look really funny on the board honestly um i think that the, i like wish that the border of the minion when it's actually on the board was a little thinner so that it matched everything else because they just they feel big and clunky to the point that it was kind of distracting i'm sure i'll get used to it but right now I kind of looked at them and I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Not my favorite thing. They feel distinct in a very yes. major way. And I feel like the people that want these will already know that they do. If you are on the fence about them, they're probably not going to convince you. It reminds me a lot of, to make a magic reference, right? Magic players, mythic rares and foils and whatever. This is more like the... Um, more like the the full art old frame cards. These feel like really nice physical cards that you would hold in your hand. Goldens and diamonds are part of a, a video game that moves and embraces the digital lifestyle. This is a, a going in the other direction. 
of what is the nicest possible way a physical Hearthstone card would look like and feel like. It has weight to it. It is full art. You see everything. Cinematic. There's no movement. This is a frozen Yeah, there's no animation. Which I think that a lot of people seemed surprised about on the stream today is that the signature cards didn't have an animation to them. And I think it's kind of fine because, I, like you say, it's it's more um, leaning into the physicality of what these cards could be. And I think I prefer the diamond version because we're playing a CCG like we're on the computer lean into the tools that a computer gives you. And that is obviously animation and glitter and sparkle and movement and all of that fun stuff. Um, so I think that um, that's probably why they're not for me, but that doesn't mean that they're not for someone. Um, and that's kind of the conclusion that we got to today talking about it on stream is that like. I used to be a Hearthstone completionist in terms of my collection. Like I wanted to collect everything and you just can't do that anymore. It's too expensive. So in a world where I have to pick and choose what I'm going to collect in Hearthstone, it's kind of okay that they make things that aren't for me. And these signature cards are going to cost a lot of money to be able to get this. So I'm kind of happy that this is the th like the super expensive thing isn't the thing that appeals to me. I'm like, whew, dodge that bullet. <laughs> You're welcome, <Yeah>. wallet. <laughs> and I don't think it's that they're poorly executed. It's not like a cool idea that wasn't well done. It's that it's it's got a niche appeal. It is designed yeah. to have a particular niche appeal, and it's got a distinct style, and the style will change from expansion to expansion. But this looks different from other cosmetics they've done in a major way. And I think they would probably look best with non-gold and non-diamond cards, just normal cards next to them, which are also not animated. These would look really nice in that context. And a few of them, I think, stood out to me as being particularly pretty. Merogar was really nice. Um, mm -hmm. Invincible looked great. Uh, but some of them as well just look kind of strange. The frame is funky. Takes some getting used mm -hmm. to, but it really stands out. Uh, and that's not perfect for everybody. But also, if you do the mix and match cosmetics of goldens and diamonds and signatures together, it looks mixed up. Looks a little weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, not distractingly bad, but just while we're all getting used to it, you're going to look at this and be like, a little weird. A little yeah. Yeah, I feel like diamonds and goldens looked pretty okay together. But yeah, there's something about diamonds and goldens and signatures that just it feels like mismatched, but, which is fine. You know, you can build in multiple different ways. And if you want to build a deck for its aesthetics, then that's a thing that you can do now. So, I mean, I'm sure they're for someone and that makes me happy. And like you said, Hat, uh, this isn't the way signature cards look. This is the way that March of the Lich King signature cards look. So every set is going to have different signature cards. So just because you don't like this set style doesn't mean you won't like next set style. So um, I'm interested to see what they do going forward. And and yeah, I mean, if I'm, I hope that there's people that this really appeals to. Um, but I definitely had a similar visual reaction to the Arthas portrait in that the portrait itself, much like the signature cards, was really cool. And I loved having the like 3D model and he's so animated. It's really neat. But the border, man, like just the border of the portrait next to the Hearthstone board looked wrong <laughs> to 
to just, me, like, and it was really, really distracting, right? Like just really, really yeah. overdone and kind of gaudy. Which is fine. I love overdone and gaudy. Like that is my brand. I'm cool with that. But it was in such contrast to the board behind it because Hearthstone boards, if you've never looked at them that closely, they're very soft. They're very like painterly. And the Arthas like um, outline, the Arthas border is very hard. It's this like 3D filigree thing, which looks great on its own. But then as soon as you layer it on top of a very painterly board, the styles just don't mesh. And uh, it's really it's too bad that um, instead of just having the portrait border, that it didn't get a whole like plate that it sits in so that it's not quite as like different, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, it, I was a little bit disappointed in that. But the animations were super cool. I loved when he took damage and he kind of like moves backwards like he'd been slapped. <laughs> I didn't like that they moved the damage indicator, which they kind of had to because you don't want to block the super cool animation that you worked hard on. But I felt like it it was kind of top right to the portrait, which was awkwardly placed for both the opponent and you when you were taking damage. I kind of would have liked it over to the left, but then that on your own portrait would potentially interfere with like weapons and stuff. Like I get that there's you're running out of places to put that, <laughs> but I don't know the the way that it the way that they chose um, wasn't my favorite. When we hit the opponent Arthas in the face, the damage indicator kind of like went up behind the cards and to the point that I didn't even realize it had happened the first couple of times. I was like, oh, they just don't tell you how much damage you deal to Arthas's face. OK. <laughs> and then like the third or fourth time I realized it was kind of up behind the cards and I was like, oh, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, this was less distinct to me than signature cards were. Um, I stopped noticing it when I wasn't looking for it anymore. Mm. I, I I was worried at first that it was just going to be wiggling around the whole time. And I was being like, look at that thing wiggle. I can't concentrate my cards. Wiggle, Arthas, wiggle. <laughs> I don't think he even has a wiggle animation. <laughs> Maybe there's a secret dance emote. <laughs> Maybe. You are so excited about the secret dance. You're updating the show title. I see you doing it. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> Plus, it's the last thing that we're talking about. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's, I was worried this was going to be distracting. It's a little, it's a little funky. I, like, I have to get used to it, but also it didn't stand out to funky. me enough. For, yeah. When he wiggles, when he dances, secret dance. <laughs> um, but I didn't find it to be be a big deal like i'm probably not gonna buy it but i don't anticipate playing against it being did. like a problem okay well it's, i'm not here to judge either well it, it came with a card back that whole arthas thing came with a card yes. back and that's been my general rule is that when there's a bundle if it has a card back then i'll get it because i don't want my card back collection is almost complete i feel like we've talked about this lately where the only ones i don't have are the golden celebration one and the uh esports one for some reason <laughs> so yeah I very much want to keep that as up to date as possible. Um, but yeah, so I, I've already bought it. I don't know if I'll use it because Arthas actually has quite a lot of really good hero portraits that aren't the super overdone 3D version. So, I mean, I might use it. I might not use it, but uh, I think it's really cool. Um, like the the 3D movement animation portion. 
And uh, I mean, we might see, I kind of hope that we see versions of that for other classes. Um, I hope it doesn't totally fall flat, but we'll see. We know about one and the Sylvanas portrait that has been portrayed, the Hunter General Sylvanas that has been previewed. It is before she was turned Forsaken and it looks great. We haven't seen it, like it's not available to play with yet, but we've seen a preview image. It looks a lot more like drawn, like not Mm. 3D model, a lot more drawn. If it looks as good in action as the preview image, I am going to purchase it. I'm going to. Because it, it looks different from this style, and it is exactly the style I was hoping it would be. And if the movement is somewhat natural, I am very much looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, if you guys want to go through and see all the things that we played today, everything that we tried, head on over to twitch.tv slash ridiculous hat because the VOD will be up there and you can take a look at all of our gameplay. It was super fun. Thanks again to the Hearthstone team for inviting us. Also, reminder, thank you again to Blizzard and the Hearthstone team for giving us three standard bundles to give away. So if you guys are interested in entering the giveaway for a standard March of the Lich King bundle, tweet us at TAC podcast with the hashtag foul foul to enter the giveaway. Um, We thank Blizzard for their support of the Angry Chicken. And uh, yeah, good luck, guys. I hope you... uh, I hope you enjoy playing March of the Lich King where uh, I guess it's it'll be next week. Our next show will be post-release, which is very exciting. Our next show in the seventh. Hmm. You know, Death Knight's going to be out. I think we should have mm-hmm. someone on to talk about Death Knight. I mean, maybe. Do you think he'd come? I don't know. Does he have a car meetup that day? <laughs> or a haircut? <laughs> well i mean he needs one (laughs) oh oh i am excited yeah so we're not going to name anyone but you probably have an idea listener you probably do oh they better they better uh but on that tease we're gonna say another quick thank you to our patrons thank you so much for supporting us over at patreon.com slash tack when you become a tack patron you get you get access to the tack discord and other perks Thank you very much to our Patreon producers, Dustin C. and Jarrett F. We appreciate your support each and every week. You can go and follow the show on Twitter at TAC Podcast. And don't forget to enter the giveaway over there, as well as you can catch the show live on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern over on Twitch.tv slash Joss Plays Hat. Where can folks find you on the Internet? The hub of my condo is twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. A lot of people found me today over at the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash ridiculous hat. Thank you so much, by the way, everyone that came out to watch us play. It was really great having everybody there. Um, and I'll be live again on Tuesday night at 10 o'clock-ish after I do a, di- a thing. After I do a thing. Um, I have so many We're just so like many teasing podcasts. so many things today. <laughs> yes. I, have, I, I do a lot of podcasts. Doing another podcast in 40 minutes. Oh what is God. wrong with me? What is wrong with me? <laughs> I um, tried to get you out of here as fast as possible. <laughs> it's, this is not a you problem. Do not take responsibility for okay. this. So, uh, but twitter.com slash ridiculous hat. I do two other Hearthstone podcasts, Coin Concede. We're making pets out of the game more accessible to you over at coinconcede.com and Vicious Syndicate. We're doing a day-driven look at the high-level legend metagame over to viciousyndicate.com. Joss, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. And do go check out the Gamers In. We're doing an episode with a special guest next week all about God of War Ragnarok. So if that sounds interesting to you, and if you like the Angry Chicken, 
maybe you should go and check out the Gamers Inn. It's me. I'm the guest. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to be on Josh's other you show. You ruined the tease. It's, this is not a tease at this point. This is the bluest of balls. <laughs> Yeah, so go and check out the Gamers Inn. Uh, that episode is that we're going to be recording next week, so I'm very excited about it. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening to Tack. Until next time, Dubstep. Dubstep. Job's done.